All right. So we had a fantastic weekend. Uh, just it's like a buffet of the scriptures uh, and just fellowship and uh, just such wonderful feedback uh, from so many people about the SP community, the SP family, um, and uh, yeah, just I was reminding people on Sunday. Uh, that all the SPs all around the world are doing this fast. All the SPs all around the world are coming together on weekday mornings. Uh, and so you're part, we are part of a greater witness and a, a, and a move of God in, in our church. And so uh, we're continuing on today on Acts chapter 10. So turn with me to verse 1. <clears throat> At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion captain, our centurion, uh, which is a, a captain rank, similar to that of a captain uh, that oversees 100 soldiers, <clears throat> in what was known as the Italian Regiment, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, uh, to, to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It, contains, uh, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out that where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who is known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is, a, he is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met with him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for Jews to, for Jew to associate with our or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at the hour, at the hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me. 
and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send the Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is the guest in a home of Simon Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent you for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does, not, does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news and peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third and on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Um, This is the longest uh, narrative uh, in in the book of Acts, longest single narrative, <clears throat> longest single narrative in Acts. Um, it's the birth of the international church. It's the birth of uh, the non-Jewish church. We talked about uh, uh, in um, Acts chapter two, uh, eight chapters ago. Uh, how God was birthing the church at Solomon's colonnade, portico, you know, the back porch area. Uh, and, and the church was moving. The Holy Spirit was coming. It was bringing everyone together as Jews, unified. Now in chapter 10, uh, uh, I would say is, is the next incredibly significant moment or movement in church history. Church history, as you know it, as far as we're included, uh, starts here from this moment. Uh, the Jews... All throughout their lives uh, were grown up with traditions and rites and rituals that would separate them. Uh, they, you know, they were they were known as God's people. All up until this time, uh, you know, the Jews were set apart. And so, one of the things that would set them apart one one of many things that would set them apart, whether it was a, 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 a you know birth you know circumcision, whether it was uh, their, their cleansing rituals, uh, uh, you know, whether it was uh, their, their their feasts, their, their you know. Uh, seasonal calendar events. Um, one of the things, one of the most basic and one of the most common and most noticeable things that you could tell, you would walk into a restaurant and, and you know in, 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 the, in the center of town and uh, you would sit down and you could tell by what people were eating, you could tell who the Jews were because they had strict dietary laws. And so the reason for God's dietary laws uh, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things initially that God does that He instructs that we don't have the science behind, but they just do in faith. And then eventually humanity over, over generations, over centuries, developed the science and they realized, oh, okay, uh, uh, you know, this, is, this is, uh, actually makes sense. You know, there's, there's proof in it. Um, and one of the things was uh, dietary laws. There were certain things you know, before they came up with uh, you know, certain health practices, you know, touching the blood of animals. And so there were certain purity rights and things that God had implemented uh, before the science came to back it up that Israel would set apart. And these were just common sense. You know, uh, something you would say is common sense today was not common sense you know, a couple thousand years ago. You know, humanity didn't have that sort of resource or knowledge or, or, or wisdom. And so these things were really basic things that God had implemented that would actually protect. Uh, one of the basic things you know, that, you, that would set the people of Israel apart was their diet. You know, not eating uh, uh, pork, not eating things with blood in it. Uh, uh, and so you would know... As, you know, just in a, in a common place, just by seeing what people are eating, oh, that, that person is a Jew. And that was also, you know, physically, but also symbolically to set the people of God apart for the purpose of God, for the, you know, for eventually the coming of Jesus. Uh, and so for, for, for Peter, a good Jewish boy who grew up in this culture and context, you know, he would never eat, uh, 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 you know, these animals that were mentioned, you know, certain uh, hoofed animals. Uh, animals with with uh, uh, live blood in it, uh, you know, have to be fully cooked. Uh, you know, like like you would go to a hawker center now, and you would see a separation of of dietary, you know, practices and things, and, and very similar to that. Um, what's interesting, uh, and this is this is this is really helpful for me. You know, as we read through Acts chapter one through ten, and the you know the Pente- you know Pentecost, you know, birth of the of the church in in uh, Solomon's portico. Uh, and then the movement of, uh, uh, you know, the persecution. And, and I had said, I think it was on Friday, how it just seems like things, things are happening so fast and revival broke out and the presence of God is manifest. And it just seems like, just like that, you know, uh, after revival, then there's persecution. And then, you know, things just happen to be so short-lived. Uh, but actually, I was reminded that there's quite a bit of time that, that lapses here uh, that, that you wouldn't be able to tell if you just read it. So I'll give you a quick timeline because we've all been here over the past two weeks or so. Uh, um, Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2. And that's around uh, 30 AD. Um, the first persecution that came where they, where they broke out was actually five years later, which is in Acts chapter 4. So the span, so a lot of theologians, scholars, they try to you know, map together based on other letters and notes. And so the estimate is that when the Holy Spirit, you know, Pentecost poured out, that was in Acts chapter 2, that was in 30 AD. It was actually five years later in chapter 4 uh, uh, where the first persecution uh, came out. It was also last week when we talked about uh, Philip and Samaria and, and the eunuch. And then the conversion of Saul was six years later uh, uh, after the Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 9. So it kind of helps you to you know, frame in terms of timeline. Um, the first Gentile conversion, which is here in Acts chapter 10, is actually 10 years removed from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room and the beginning of the church. Right? And so it's almost 10 years where Jesus says, uh, you know, after the outpouring of the Spirit, where, where Jesus commanded the disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria. Almost 10 years have gone by and they're still in Jerusalem. Just think about that for a second. 
right? This blessing, this incredible blessing has come. And, uh, 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 you know, this command, this, this edict that God has given to go out and to, you know, spread the gospel. You know, they weren't moving. They were just kind of stuck in the salt shaker. Uh, uh, and so then the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus comes. Uh, persecution kind of scatters them. And then as a result, Philip ends up here. People end up there and they're, they're presenting the gospel as they're going out. And then another four years would go by before Peter gets this vision. Um, and so, you know, again, this idea that I, I think that as believers, listen, as believers, we're so comfortable. Right? When we think of the gospel, our, our world vision, our horizons have to be so much more broadened. When we think of the gospel, we think of our parents. When we think of the gospel, we think of our friends. When we think of the gospel, who needs to hear it? We think of you know, people in your office or workplace. When you think of the gospel, who needs to be saved? We think of the people you know, that you walk with or the circles of communities that you're, you know, the people you're comfortable with. Or maybe even the people you like. Or maybe even the people you'd like to see in church. Right? And what is happening here? Um, I love how uh, uh, one of my favorite pastors, his name is uh, Chuck Swindoll. Uh, I wish I could read the whole thing for you, but it's, it's a bit too lengthy. And he just talks about uh, how everyone, every single one of us has prejudice. Every single one of us. Doesn't matter where you grew up. Doesn't matter what culture you're from. Doesn't matter if you're, you're born and raised here. Doesn't matter if you're born and raised somewhere else. Doesn't matter you know, how long you've lived here. How, long, you know, how, how well you've traveled and how cultured you are. Every single person, to some degree, has prejudices. And uh, Chuck Swindoll you know, likens it to that of weeds, right? Every one of us has prejudices like weeds, it grows. Some of us you know, are good at weeding them out, right, periodically, and, 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 and you know, taking them out. Some of us, they go unchecked. Some of us, you know, uh, 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 we think it, but we, we certainly never, you know, we're, we're cultured enough, we're sensitive enough never to say it out loud. But the thoughts are there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and so I like how Chuck Swindoll says it. Uh, uh, it's a creeping infestation of prejudice. It can happen gradually, even unnoticed. Uh, it takes hold of us in unexpected ways. He says we're familiar with the most common varieties, like you know, racial prejudice. It's, it's so common. It, it, it's, it's so prevalent. Uh, some nurture a secret bigotry. Right? A lot of us, like if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with our thoughts, you know, there's a secret bigotry against people with certain color of skin. Uh, uh, specific nationalities, uh, different cultures, uh, or even particular accents. Other types of prejudice take more subtle forms. Uh, political affiliation, well, not so subtle these days. Economic uh, uh, status, marital status, religious background, uh, presence of tattoos, you know, style, style of clothes or style of hair. Some people even go as far as you know, whether or not someone wears cosmetics or not or, or accessories. And so, so there's all these, if you think about it, all these unspoken prejudices that we probably all hold to some degree. Uh, 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 and some people are better at weeding them out than others. And uh, what, what, what is God doing here? You know, prejudice can be so divisive, can be so subtle. It can be so simple as just always congregating with the same subculture of people in your house church, right? Always sitting next to the same people, always eating next to the same people, always talking with the same people. And, and it just kind of naturally, you know, without, without even knowing. And what God is doing here is He's saying in His church that there will be no such thing. I love my church. My gospel and my salvation is for all peoples. And 10 years I've given you this gift to go out into the world. And so uh, uh, the Lord has to uh, uh, remind Peter once again 
that prejudice is, is not acceptable in my church. And so he eliminates you know, this, this law or this ritual that they had grown up with. I mean, Peter, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an adult, if someone were to tell him, you know, from this point forward, you know, you're no longer, no way, are you kidding me? That's like, that's my identity. That's who I am. There's, there's no way, like certainly G, following Jesus and these practices have to be synonymous. And so unless God himself said, no longer, you know, are these things unclean, you can eat of them, he wouldn't believe it. He, he just wouldn't accept it. So God himself had to come and say, you know, don't call anything uh, uh, unclean that I've called pure. And so God is in this moment surgically cutting up kind of the church or the leadership of the church and taking out this cancer that if left unchecked would grow unfestered and really bring a, a, a separation and, and really be detriment to the body of God. Um, you know, Chuck, Chuck Swindoll says, uh, fortunately for Peter and the church, the Lord would not allow or let sinful attitude, this sinful attitude of prejudice remain uh, he would soon uproot it. Um, and so this is what God is doing. Uh, if you look at the church history now, you know, Israel as a whole has, uh, uh, you know, pretty much rejected the gospel. Right? And, and the gospel spread out into the Roman Empire, into the international community. And in the providence and in the sovereignty and in, and in, only, in the way that only God could orchestrate. Now the, the Gentile or international church you know, is, has grown and, and is, is a, a predominant, is now bringing the gospel back to Israel in this day and age. And so all these churches, I, I was in Israel uh, uh, two years ago around this time, and uh, it's incredible. If you ever get the chance to go, man, it is incredible. Uh, I, I was actually planning and hoping to take uh, some of our board members, house church leaders, and then eventually open it up to the church, you know, annually or every couple of years, uh, do an Israel trip and do teaching and, you know, just a time of revival. And one of the first things you'll notice, I mean, I, there, there can't be, there can't be anywhere else in the world, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty well traveled. There can't be anywhere else in the world where every culture and every language and almost every people group comes. And, and, and it's, it's so distinct because you'll go and there'll be buses from every nation with their flag and their translators. And they're all coming together and, and, and congregating in this city. And, and, and there's different denominations or different traditions. And they're coming from all over the world just to see uh, the places that uh, Jesus had walked and where Jesus had talked. And so, I mean, just think about it. I was, I was, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of uh, Israel or, 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 or Jewish person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet, day after day, millions of buses are being unloaded from all over the world from which this faith had originated and gone out. You know, and, and they're all coming back on a daily basis. Uh, and, and this is just physically outwardly. And then there's ob obviously more deaths and internally churches and mission agencies and organizations and, and, and countries as a whole that are in full support uh, uh, you know, for, you know, for them coming to know the kingdom. And so just a, a beautiful picture uh, of how ultimately God's going to bring them back into the fold. A um, couple things here about Cornelius uh, before we close this morning. Um, it says that he distinctly saw an angel. Um, and, and yesterday we talked about on Sunday how Daniel was seeking God. You know, he, he, the angel came and says, oh man of high esteem. And there's just something about, 
you know, living for God uh, even when nobody sees you. There's something about uh, uh, following the truths and the principles of God, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how, uh, 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 you know, sometimes it may feel like a disadvantage because everyone else is cutting corners. Let me tell you, you follow the rule of God. You follow the rules of God. You follow the heart of God. You, you have intimacy and relationship. And even if materially and physically, uh, uh, you know, while everyone else is cutting corners, but you're, you're, you're following and obeying God, um, God sees that, and He's going to bring a deeper and a personal revelation of Himself to you. Uh, both Daniel and Cornelius are, are men that are highly respected, men who, who you know, followed after God's hearts, you know, uh, 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 Cornelius was uh, respected in the community, gave to the poor. Uh, and, and so God sees these things, you know, all behind the scenes, even as a non-Jew. And then God visits him and God gives him an impartation. Right? As we walk in faithfulness, as we walk in righteousness, God is basically up there packaging a gift for you. And in the right time, he's going to come and say, man, you've been so faithful. You know, everyone else had his advance and you haven't cut corners. Uh, and so I have something for you. I have a word for you. I have an impartation for you. And then God brings that release. Um, you know, it says in uh, verse 4 that your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. Your prayers and your gifts and your service and your sacrifice to the Lord uh, are like a memorial offering that comes up. And let me tell you, church, you can't outgive God. Amen. You cannot outgive God, right? We bless, we serve for the pure joy of, of being his sons and daughters. And, and then God is going to bring impartation and blessing. And through this one man, through, through the faith of this one man, uh, uh, the eventual you know, international church leading all the way from the first Jewish congregation in Solomon's porch and then to the first uh, 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 non-Jewish Gentile international church here in Rome and, you know, or, or, uh, uh, through Cornelius and then all the way to us here in Solomon's porch you know, mixed of all races, all, all ethnicities, all from all over the world all began with this guy. Um, God sees your gifts. Right? God will reward you ultimately in heaven, even if you don't see the benefits or, or the immediate results here now. So it's never this idea of I give and then waiting for God to give. Okay, I give again, double down, okay, I'm waiting. It's never that, right? Ultimately, our pleasure is to, is to serve God, to worship God. Knowing Him and being saved is already our blessing, right? We, we can't outgive. You know, it's, it's, we get to give. We don't have to give. Uh, uh, and ultimately, God is our reward eternally. Uh, but then... You know, when I say giftings, I'm talking about a revelation or presence of God. You know, a word or, or, or a, a revelation about Him that, that would transform your life. That would bring value, um, you know, out of uh, uh, the things that you, you may already have. <clears throat> um, I, I, I often liken it to this, actually. You guys ever, uh, like marketing and branding? You know, you ever... Uh, 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 you know, there's so many examples, whether it's Oreos, whether it's Coca-Cola, or, or whether it's uh, probably one of the best examples are like baking soda, right? Back in the, in the, you know, like 50 years ago, baking soda, I think it was just used for cooking, right? Right? And then like 10 years later, you know, a brand new baking soda, it's actually the same thing, right? But they found out another application for it. It deodorizes. Does that make sense? And so brand new, you know, uh, uh, like you've never had it before, you know, our, our, our Arm & Hammer, you know, baking soda, it now deodorizes. Uh, uh, and then they put that branding. And then like 10 years later, they find another use. For it. So it's always rebranding. And there's always more value coming out of it. 
And oftentimes I feel like that that's more indicative or that's more descriptive of our faith. We have this faith with God and it's, it's always there, it's always present and He's always been the same. But then as we grow, we find you know, deeper applications or, or, or you know, more depths in, in applying or, or value. And, and so our relationship, you know, like in a relationship, is just constantly be, being rediscovered, constantly finding value, constantly giving value to us. It's not so much about adding things. It's not so much about expanding property or about gaining wealth or, you know what I mean, you know, uh, status and, and things like that. It's just going deeper. It's just finding out that it's so much richer than you had ever anticipated. And that's always, uh, um, you know, to me, I felt like it's always a, a better picture. What you have already in Christ is the best. What you have already is in Christ is, is that God has given you the best. It's just a matter of us, you know, coming to that revelation and coming to those places of, man, he's so much more than I ever thought. You know, he's so much more. He, he, you know, he can speak to me in this area of my life in ways that I, I didn't think, think he could. And so there's this con- continual rediscovering, continual, I don't want to call it rebranding, but just this, you know, a deeper understanding and relationship. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's what I mean oftentimes when I talk about the blessings of God. It's just a deeper revelation of himself. And then it brings, you know, if you have a certain mindset and the only way you feel blessed is by having a little bit more property or a little bit more wealth, then something's wrong with your mindset, right? But if instead if God touches your mindset and all of a sudden what you have has incredible value and incredible worth and, and even more the relationships and the people, I mean, how, how transformational is that? That you can have such sustenance, such, such blessing, such sense of worth with the things that God has already blessed you with. Simply because He's already there with you. And that, that to me is, 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 is life-changing. right? The presence of God in your life, the presence of God in how you perceive, the presence of God in, in, in how you look. It's not always about more materially. It's, 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 it's always about deeper. And, and that's absolutely what God wants to do. Um, I'll close with this. Uh, uh, while Peter was communicating the message, I love this picture. Peter is giving this sermon. Peter is talking about the story of Jesus and how the Holy Spirit, I'm sure he has like a three-point sermon and all this. Is, you know, he's articulate. He's, he's, you know, he's probably told this story it's t- 10 years now. It's like, it's like me preaching Daniel you know, every year. You probably know it. I know it. We, we said it 10 times. And while he's speaking, he doesn't even get to finish. While he's speaking, it's almost like God said, okay, that's enough. And uh, the Holy Spirit just comes and pours out over them. And they start to break out in tongues. And the Holy Spirit just, you know, pours out. And they're crying and they're praising God. Um, Just a beautiful picture. I saw a photo of uh, Pastor Ricky's church. And uh, they had managed to gather in someone's home like this. And it reminded me when I had uh, 80 people in my apartment in Beijing. 80 people. Can you imagine how many shoes that is? And it has to be indoors. All the shoes has to be brought indoors. Because if people see it outdoors, you know, it would raise flags. And uh, uh, Pastor Ricky took a photo just this last Saturday uh, when Pastor Sam Song had asked everyone to get on their knees. And, and it's a room about this size and everyone's just getting on their knees. And, and, and he said they were just crying out to God. And just, you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, just, just a beautiful picture. And Peter says, I see now that we should not call anything clean or unclean that God has called clean. And so try and put yourself in Peter's shoes. Man, I thought they were Gentiles. I thought they were dirty. I thought they were, you know, God couldn't, you know, it's, it's all about us. And then Peter has this revelation 
wow, I shouldn't call them unclean because God has called them clean. Right? That's what he says when he sees this vision. That's what he says you know, when he hears about Cornelius. And then he sees them breaking out in the spirit and tongues and praising God. Man, they're just not, they're just not unclean. They're, they're your brothers. Man, they're equal in the sight of God. Right? We are not more fortunate. We, we are not more privileged. We are not more educated. We are not more, uh, uh, you know, more opportune. In the sight of God, we are equal. And the Spirit of God falls on all equally. And they're praising God. And so Peter doesn't realize it now. But his own great, 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 you know, generations of grandchildren, you know, he's up in heaven now rooting for the church, Solomon's porch, rooting for the church international. Go, go get it. Go after God and get back to Israel and bring the kingdom and the gospel and uh, far beyond. You know, at one point, the disciples were struggling with their own nationality, their boundaries. They wanted the olden days, King David and their flag and their national army, uh, their cabinet, all that stuff. Uh, uh, but God had such a greater plan, such a, such a greater nation, such a greater impact than just uh, a one people or one tribe or one nation. Through this one people, one tribe and nation, all the nations would be blessed. That's a promise from God. It's been fulfilled, and now we're going to go back and bless uh, uh, the people of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you. God, even in our own church, God, you know, there are, there are secret and hidden, unspoken prejudices. God, you know, we call it preferences. Well, I just have a preference. I'd just rather sit or eat or hang with these. But God, we pray that you would just totally destroy that. God, that you would just put your finger on it right now through the scriptures. The same spirit that lives in us to, to just break this, this bondage, to break this thought, to break this idea, Lord God. And that all, every single person that walks in the Solomon's porch, Lord God, uh, God, would be accepted and would be loved. God, that there would be no barriers, no boundaries, Lord God, that there would be no prejudices. God, God, would you examine our hearts and see, God, how even unknown to us, some of these weeds have somehow been grafted in. And, and without even us knowing, it influences the decisions that we make, Lord God. Lord, help us as a church intentionally. It's like gardening, God. The weeds aren't going to kill itself, God. We have to, you know, intricately and, and, and personally and intimately get in there and, and, and get our hands in between and slowly pull them out and, and, and dewind them, Father God. And so, Lord, we pray, Jesus, that every single person, no matter where we're from, no matter where we've grown up, no matter, you know, what we've been taught or no matter what house we grew up in, the values of God, but that we are in a new house. We're in your house and you are our Father. And God, we value everyone the way uh, you value them, God. And to help us to grow in that type of love, especially this year in our house churches, in our communities, Lord God. Help us to grow in that capacity, Lord God. Singles, married, kids, no kids, uh, 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 you know, all different walks of life, Lord God. Lord, we celebrate the diversity, God. We ce- celebrate the beauty of what you have done. Only you could do this, God. You know, and, and what you've done in Solomon's porch is already quite incredible. But God, we don't settle for that. We want even more. God, we want everyone that comes to our church to see, Father God, how we love one another in the midst of such rich diversity. And we celebrate each other's differences. And, and we give grace, Father God, you know, uh, 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 to one another. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's respond.